I've been positive. Uh, I've been brave and bold, I think. Uh, uh, but I've been brave and bold in the industry as well. So uh, it's, uh, it's something I knew how to grapple onto. So welcome to Brave Bold Brilliant Podcast. I am here today with a hospitality veteran, a renowned hotelier, a serial CEO, big hitter, Robert Cook. Nice to see you, Robert. Good to see you, Jeanette. <laughs> when we were talking about how to introduce it, it was a bit complicated because there's so much I could say, but, you know, let's just go with all of the above and we'll get into the detail. You've said all the nice things, so that's good. Good start. <laughs> we'll ditch the dirt later, Robert. Don't worry. <laughs> so, no, it's all good. Well, listen, Robert, you and I have known each other for a few years now. Uh, I think we first met when you were actually at Virgin Active, um, uh, you know, a that's few right. years ago. But, yeah, do you want to just give us a bit of background on you, Robert? Because you've had a fantastic career, very impressive, and um, you've run some really interesting businesses. Yeah, I've been blessed. I mean, I, I was... I, like I say, and many people know, I was born and brought up in the industry. Um, and, you know, I did the hotel school bit and went and worked for Intercontinental and the big boys. Really, my first break was to open the Balmoral Hotel in Edinburgh, which was a big investment at the time. Um, and and five-star deluxe hotel to take on the Caledonian, the other end of the street. Uh, and that was fantastic. I then went on and worked in uh, back into Forum Hotels for a while. And then I met a chap called Ken McCulloch, who was the founder of Malmaison, and Ken took me under his wing. Uh, and uh, it went from there, really. That was when the, really the, the blue paper, the, the, the touch, the, the paper was lit, as it were. And uh, I spent on and off um, 11 years with Malmaison, four as a general manager and then a regional director. I then left with Ken to go to Monte Carlo to convert the Abella Hotel into Columbus Hotel in Monte Carlo with David Coulter, the racing driver. So that was four years of of high octane and fast fast running. Uh, and that was fantastic. That was a great boutique hotel. And then I came back to Mal as CEO um, in 2004. We bought Hotel Divan in October of that year, put the two businesses together, grew the talent within and grew the business up to about 30 hotels. Uh, and after the two, two junctures of 11 and a half years, I decided to give something else a go. Went to Devere for three and a half years with Village and uh, the, the Devere result, Resorts. So did the did the refurb at Cameron House into a five star deluxe hotel, repositioned the Belfry for KSL, um, and then I thought I'm 50, I want to do something different, and I joined Virgin. Got an opportunity through MBS. To Elliot Goldstein phoned me up one day and said, "How do you fancy doing something different?" And 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 when he said Virgin, that was yes, health and fitness being a bit in that. Uh, well, I thought it'd been a bit in that, but when you do health and fitness for real versus what goes on in hotels, health and fitness is quite different. But I had a great four years there. Uh, and then I, I went to uh, take on TJ Fridays. Really, the excitement for me there was the, the, the flotation that was pr the, the, the prospect there. So I did I did the flotation there. And then at, uh, at the end of last year, as everybody knows, I resigned from that. What everybody doesn't know is that I've been pretty ill since then. Uh, or I, I, I resigned partly because I wasn't well, but I had major bowel, bowel surgery in, in, in January and I've had cancer treatment as well. So uh, coming, hopefully coming out to the end of that now. And, um, uh, you know, a bit of a difficult year. Um, but, you know, when you talk about being bold and brave, you can be bold and brave in business. But when you're something you've got, like what I've just had, you've got to be bold and brave in the whole situation you're in. You've got to be bold and brave for yourself. But for me, most importantly, for my family and, and, and uh uh, to be bold and brave for them to see that this is this is just a, a hiccup in the hopefully just a hiccup in the in the journey 
Um, and um, you know, I'm 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 just about finished everything now, and uh, hope to get back into the hot seat later in the year or early beginning of next year. Sorry, in a nutshell, that's really what it's all been about for the last. I, I keep saying twenty years, but it's probably nearer thirty and probably nearer forty. Actually, I'm I keep forgetting my age. But uh, uh, you say to people, oh, "I was at school with him thirty years ago." No, I wasn't. I was at school with him forty years ago. So yeah, it's been it's been a great time, and I and I love the industry, and I love hotels. I mean, that's you you said renowned hotelier, but hotelier is really what I am. Um, but the little sejour into Virgin, uh, I learned a hell of a lot there, and it's only now when, I, when I've been away for a few years I realise how good a job that was and how how much I enjoyed it. Um, and it's good to do something different. Yeah, most definitely. And, and you know, Rob, I really appreciate you sharing about kind of, you know, the health side of things, because, you know, we spoke separately about this and you were kind enough to bring me into your confidence, even though, as you say, you have you have explained it quite openly. And here we are on the podcast talking about it. But, you know, I think sometimes when we look at people's lives and their business situations or their, you know, what seems to be the perfect kind of career, all of a sudden something can come along like an illness and, and something that you you kind of go, oh, whoa, hang on a minute. It's not all about the career and the jobs, et cetera. It's, you know, this stuff is important. And you you made that choice to step back to focus on, on the health side of things. And, you know, I'm delighted to hear that, you know, your treatment's progressing well. Hopefully you'll be through the other side, uh, you know, shortly and uh, and then kind of back full fighting fit. So, um. Thank you for sharing that because it's not easy sometimes to to kind of cover it off, is it really? Yeah, well, you you think it will never happen to me, and it happens to more people than you think. You know, I, you know, when you hear some of the stats of, you know, I, when I had the bowel operation, I had to have a colostomy, and one in three hundred people have one of them. Uh, you know, one in five people have cancer now. Uh, so you've just you've got to put it in perspective. But the, the important thing is, there was a nurse came to see me one day, who she who um said to me you know when this consultant told me everything was going on she says one thing you've got to be is what you're being is positive because that's 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 the big that's the that's what what many people fall down the slope is not being positive about it and i've been i've remained positive throughout and um i actually feel okay i mean i, I don't feel like i've got it but uh or had it or, or have it um so i'm i'm uh, i'm i'm i've been positive uh, i've been brave and bold i think uh, uh but i've been brave and bold in industry as well so uh, it's, it's something I knew how to grapple onto. Yeah, absolutely. And that, like you say, that positive mindset is so important and building that resilience and being able to sort of reframe stuff because, you know, there's always a choice, isn't there, to how you look at something, how you respond. And we can't control everything in our lives. But when things come along, we have a choice how we're going to feel about them, how we're going to respond. And, and is that mindset, that positivity, has that always been there, Robert, for you? As you know, as if you look back to your kind of family life and, you know, all your various careers you've had, um, have you always have that sort of glass half full approach do you think yeah definitely yeah. I, I i you know i had a, an interesting upbringing and i was born and brought up in a hotel and i had to i was mature above my days because you were in a in an adult environment all the time and you see uh you see how people in industry and 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 you know just the the banker the teacher the candlestick maker who used to use the hotel all the time you saw how they were and you learned from that um and i got a lot of confidence uh, I mean, when I worked for Ken McCulloch, you know, he was he was definitely half full of the glass and he was an inspiration to me. And, and I took a lot from him and how he behaved and how I behaved. And then when Richard Balfour Lane offered me the role at Malmaison at 36 years old to be the CEO of what was then the sort of hot ticket in the hotel industry in the UK, 
that again gives you gives you confidence and and, and just endorses that positivity and and it's never left me really um and I think you've got to be positive. You've got to be seen as a leader. You've got to be positive. So it it, it reflects and, and and penetrates down the business into the troops. And the troops sort of aspire to this, this I want to get up the ladder thing. And it, it, they say, oh, the boss is a pretty positive guy. You know, the, you know, the, you go with it. Um, so I've always been positive. I wish I was as positive on the golf course, but I'm not always. So, uh, <laughs> but in in work, I've been I've been I've been blessed to work with some phenomenal people. Stephen Carter, who. Uh, Ex-Italia of the Year, um, who actually was just been to see me in the last couple of days. You know, he, Ken, Richard Bufflin, they were all inspirational characters who were all positive and, you know, nothing got in their way. Um, and, uh, you know, if it, if it can be done, it will be done and, um, and nothing should get in, in, in the nothing. There should be no obstructions to that. And I think when you work with people like that, you get inspired. And I've been lucky along the way. I've I met some famous people. I mean, I spent a lot of time, I got fr relatively friendly with the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, and, and I'm, I often modelled, he was going great guns at Man United when I was running Malmaison. And when he took the kids of 92, the class of 92 to win, and, and Hanson said, you'll never win the league with kids. I liked that. And I, and I, I took a lot of young guys and girls in Malmaison who were, if you were old, if you were good enough, you were old enough. And I've been a great believer in that. And um you know, it's you just sound yourself with great people, brilliant people, um, and uh, it makes you, it makes life a lot easier. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And you know, when you got that first big, that first big gig, I mean, you, what did you say? You were thirty. You were how old? You in your early thirties when you got the seven. CEO? Yeah, yeah, and that was look. It was a, it was it was way uh, way ahead of my expectations. But really, I was coming back to Malmaison, a business I knew relatively well. I was regional director for four of them. We'd only built one more. And um, and I thought I could do it. And um, it was a big wrench to leave Ken because I'd been with him for eight and a half years and Monaco was going well and we we're about to start Dakota Hotels. Uh, we bought the first two. But, you know, I wanted to be my own man. And, and um, you know, I think what Richard Balfour did from day one was say, look, this is what my vision is. I want to get up to 30 hotels and you're the guy who got to do it. And in those days, there was, there was good funding around. The banks were quite, quite generous with funding. And it was easy to raise the money. The problem was finding the product. But actually, as we grew quickly, the, the problem then became, let's make, let's find the talent. And we found the talent from within because the DNA of the brand comes from here. It doesn't come from here. And, mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, I surrounded myself with some fantastic people. Sean Wheeler, who was my people development director, who went on to the Dorchester and then on to um, Principal Hotels. I mean, he was, he was the glue that took Malmaison and Hotel Divan from a people perspective together. Keith Shearer, the group executive chef, chef, Nick Gamble, the operations director. We all had the same vision of taking the best of talent and piecing it together. So when we opened the next hotel, the next hotel, the next hotel, we had the talent in-house to be the general manager, to be the head chef, to be the housekeeper. And I mean, in 2007, we opened five hotels in 19 weeks and didn't go outside for a lot of the talent because it was there. And did I take a risk? Was I bold and brave to take on some people to push them a bit further? Probably were, but actually 90% of them grabbed the nettle and, and grew. And, you know, they've gone on to become MDs now and they've gone on to become operations directors themselves. So it was, they were phenomenal days. And I took that to Village and we took that to Virgin. And, you know, when, when I went to Virgin, we had a bit of a clear out. Um, a lot of people had left and we had a bit of a clear out to do. And we, there was talent sitting within the business. Uh, Glenn Heike, who was my head of, um, 
he was head of fitness. He's now global head of fitness. I mean, he's a guy that was so committed to the fitness cause that, and he had so many followers. And if you've got followers in the middle range of management, they all want to go up. So it's been, uh, you know, surround yourself with great people. That's what I say. And people who have got skill set that you don't have. Um, I'm not, I'm not a finance guru. I'm not a legal guru and I'm not a, I'm not a cuisine guru, but you get the right people and you allow them to be themselves and express themselves and don't put them in a straitjacket. You can do wonderful things. And, Mal was a great story in that in Hotel Devan, and so was Virgin as well. You know, they were they were they were they were two career highlights for me. Yeah, no, fantastic. And you know, you're spot on. I think, you know, we talk now about being a bit of a war on talent in travel, leisure, hospitality, and and you know, because a lot of people have left the industry, etc. But you're absolutely right. Very often the hidden gems are right under your nose. They've just not been given the opportunity to shine, you know. And I, I certainly found that you know, in, in a lot of the businesses that I've run, where actually, if you can really have a strong pipeline, and sometimes people see things in you that you don't see in yourself, and very often you see things in people that they don't see in themselves. And it's just actually being able to, to have that kind of, you know, growth mindset, I think, and think, actually, you know, we've got some brilliant people, how can we make the most of them? And how can they contribute to the business in the best way possible? So I think you're absolutely spot on. And and what's your, what are your thoughts on the industry um, today from a perspective of talent, Robert? Because a lot of people stay in hospitality for, for a good proportion of their career. You know, like you said yourself, you consider yourself a hotelier, born and bred, you know, sort of man and boy almost. Um, but do you have that longevity of careers, do you think, in the sector today? Or have we got a bit of an issue with uh, losing talent? Well, I think there's the, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk just now about shortage of staff, and, and and absolutely there is. There's been there's been a migration back to Europe and they haven't come back after COVID. But actually, you know, people don't work for great jobs, they work for great leaders. And if you if you can harness a great employee program and you can harness great employee opportunity you know the best the best at that will be the guys that have the least problem of finding talent and i think the industry's got itself to blame in many ways i mean back in the day when there was the brigades and the kitchens were a lot bigger and we started taking out the, the role of chef to party and we started taking out that role in the next role and then all of a sudden three years later or five years later we've got a chef's problem well look at ourselves in the mirror and say what we've we done um i mean Look, it's 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 harder now than ever, but it's 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 also it's duty bound for us as leaders in the industry to make it a great place to work and actually to put the focus back into that, because actually, when people say to me, "Oh, he wants he's got another job and he wants five grand more or ten grand more or whatever," and I, th I say to myself, "Well, it's going to take you three months to find somebody. It's going to leave a massive gap." we can lose five grand in a week, never mind over the course of a year. I would, and, and, and if the person, the girl or the guy is a great, great employee, keep them, you know, and I, and I think keeping great talent is, is harder now than ever because it's competitive edge. There's always people offering more, but if you create the right environment and we did that in Malin HTV and Virgin certainly had it and, and Friday's had it in buckets, uh, you know, then then people want to stay, and and it's it's incumbent on leadership to deal with that, and not to keep going to say it's a problem, say it's a problem, say it's a problem. Robin Hudson, who runs Oak, created Hotel the Van, he's gone on to create the Pig. He doesn't have a problem with that. Harry Murray doesn't have a problem with that. The Dorchester Group doesn't have a problem with that. It's when you start squeezing it too tight, and it becomes 
uncomfortable for people to work in the environment and give the service. People join our industry to give great service, to give brilliant service to our guests. And if you start pinching that, then the good guys are going to say, this is not what I signed up for, I'm off. Uh, so you've got to just keep that pathway clear. So you can, our job is to give them the tools to do the job the best they can and develop them as people. And I think that's sometimes lost on a lot of industry leaders. Um, saying all that, it is tougher now than it's ever been. But, you know, you've just got to work harder at it. And I think those that are working the hardest at it are doing well at it. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I actually interviewed um, a chap called Stephen Danes, who's the chief talent and culture officer for a core hotel for the group. And we had an interesting conversation about talent and, you know, the industry and what a great sector it is, et cetera. And it was interesting what, what Stephen was saying was because, of course, you want people to build a career with you, stay with you and have that longevity. He said, but actually, for some people, you've got amazing people that might just want to be with you for a season because they're in between kind of roles or maybe they're a student or they're taking a sabbatical or whatever it may be. So let's make the experience for as long as they are with us amazing because the chances are then they'll probably stay but we've got to sometimes think a little bit differently and a bit more creatively it doesn't always have to be a career for life it might be someone's with you for a shorter period of time but they do an incredible job and they bring other people with them along the journey etc so I thought that was quite an interesting sort of you know shift actually in in terms of the approach that, that he has around this as well you know yeah, but I, I think that answers, it gives you the answer I, it gives you back the answer I was trying to articulate. That business is run by a guy called Sebastian Bezan, who is an absolute superstar. Absolute yes. superstar. The reason, and he was colony capital, so he's not a hotelier, he's a finance guy, but he's a brilliant leader, understands people and understands brands. He's created and added more brands to that upper portfolio. So it's an exciting place to work. I can work in Sofitel, I can work in Novotel, I can go and work in Mama Shelter. Fantastic. And now he's got the, the premium brands and the Glen Eagles tie up. That's a, that's an exciting business to be in. If you want to do hospitality, Accor is no longer just Ibis and, uh, and, and Novotel. It's absolute world leader. But that man has had an absolute passion for people since the day he took over. And yeah. that's, that's why it's where it is. So um, yeah. Yeah, I look up to him very much. Yeah, I think you're right. And and it shows in terms of his executive board and, you know, the quality, the quality there, whether it's Steve, whether it's Duncan O'Rourke that I've been I've been working with specifically, etc. But yes, we must get Sebastian on the podcast, mustn't we, Robert? So we will we will aim to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, you should do. He's he's an amazing man. I had dinner with him at the IHIF a few years ago in Berlin. I was a guest at Deutsche Bank. He was there. And he's just he's a cool, calm, collected guy. But he's I mean, what he's done with that business, he's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting to see. And let's talk about brands a little bit, actually, Robert, because you've worked for some incredible brands and, and you know, Malmaison and Virgin and Devere and all of these incredible, you know, um, uh, TGI, all of these are very strong brands, aren't they? So is that one of your criteria or is the brand a big pull for you when you're making those career decisions? And how important is brand in terms of the overall identity, if you like, of an organization versus what sits behind the brand? Because I'm quite fascinated by this. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, Mal, Mal, Ken and I, or Ken and the team created, um, and I was part of that. So I that that was that was my first real I did when I worked when I worked for Intercontinental back in the day in Holiday Inns in Crown Plaza, 
the word brand wasn't really, that was back in the 80s, brand wasn't important. But Malmaison, I feel, was the first brand I ever worked for. And then Hotel Devan, a great brand created by Robin, came on came onto our stable. And then I realized brand was so, so important. And, and what does brand stand for? And brand really, it's not bricks and, and mortar, it's, it's people. And yes, there's a look and a feel from a design point of view, in, I'm talking Malin HCV here, but actually there was a there was a there was a DNA and a culture that was was the brand, and, and you either fitted the brand or you didn't. Um, then when I move on a bit and I go to um, and Devere wasn't such a strong brand, it was a UK brand, but Village was a brand that had an opportunity and it's grown nicely. It's a beautiful brand, Village, a very very clever hotel concept with the the three pillars of food and beverage rooms, but a very strong health and fitness business. And then Virgin, it's, it's a, that is what Virgin is. It's just a phenomenal brand. And, and, and it took me 30 seconds to say to Elliot, I want to join Virgin, because if you've got Virgin in your CV, you know, it's phenomenal. And likewise, TGI, although TGI was perceived or has been perceived as a tired brand, I felt I knew the brand back in the 80s and early 90s when it was a very, very, uh, a, a very expensive point of entry brand in terms of a consumer, but it also blew people away. So I, 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 the brands have definitely attracted me. So creating the brand Mummy's on Hotel the Van was 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 that that's a different that was a different time in the journey. Um, but I think at the end of the day, as I've said it, the brand is all about the people and it's about the execution that the consumer is expecting when they go in. Whether it's a fajita and free TGI Fridays, whether it's a fantastic uh, fitness class, a fantastic Pilates class in Virgin, or the, the Malmaison experience or Hotel Devan experience which was great simple rooms at the right price. We will do the simple things well with care, consistency and passion. That was our mantra. And and that, but it all it all was sort of underpinned by this brand. And um and the brand was the people. Yeah, what absolutely. The, what was the second part of the question? So the second the second part of the question was was really around how important is is brand, I suppose, more from a consumer facing perspective versus what sits behind the brand? Because you could have a great brand that actually when you scratch under the surface, the substance isn't there or it's, it's a bit brand washing, you know, or maybe it was a great brand that's lost its way and it's kind of living off its past glory. So I suppose it's the the label, the the, the identity at the front versus the, the kind of what's behind the scenes. And does the brand... Um, compensate I suppose to a certain degree for things that aren't so strong beneath or do you have to have it totally sort of fully aligned you know how much can a brand carry you through when maybe not everything is great behind the scenes yeah I mean the, the, the secret with a brand is consistency um and you've got to go, whether you go I mean I go back to Mal and HTV whether you went to Henley Hotel Devan or you went to Tumbers Wells Hotel Devan, you got a consistency. You knew what you were getting and you it was executed well. The only difference was the people were different from each of the hotels and the wine list was slightly different because it was the interpretation of that sommelier's view on, on what he wanted to do. And that was a great thing. We didn't have one wine supplier. We had about 90 wine suppliers because all the sommeliers bought little packages from here, there and everywhere and then excited the guests with it. And that seems to have seeped out of Hotel Devan. That's not what it's about now, which is Actually, for me, what's why the brand is so fragmented and so weak. Um, mm. Virgin, you know, there was a consistency across the five nations. We were in South Africa in a big way. We were in Asia. We were in Australia. We were in Italy. We were in the UK. Whether you went for an exercise class, whether a Pilates class in, in Bangkok, or you went to the one in, uh, uh, in, in, in London, 
it was exactly the same. And I think that is really, really important. Uh, and and consistency from a consumer's point of view is, you you know, brands are trusted. I go to Malmaison because it's a trusted brand. I go to Four Seasons because it's a trusted brand globally. You know, wherever Four Seasons you go to, you get phenomenal service. It's like Doubletree used to do this cookie in the bedroom. You know, you always got the cookie in the bedroom. And it's it, that's that's what brand is. And it's really important that the DNA, as I always come back to, is in, in the culture and in the people of the, of the business. Because actually, you can make every bedroom look the same. You can make the design feel. You can get the menu the same. And you know what you're getting. But if you don't get that execution through service and through through the culture and the tongue-in-cheek humor we did in Malmaison, or the more serious nature of how the Dorchester performs globally, you know that that that's 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 what brand is all about. And I think the consumer gets let down if they go to one outpost of the brand and it's fantastic. You go to another one, it's fantastic. And then they go to another one that's rotten, and they think, "Oh, the brand's lost its way." That hotel hasn't lost its way, or that restaurant hasn't lost its way. The brand's lost its way. So there's a mm-hmm. real importance, a real importance to, and that's one of the hardest things we found in Mal and HDV as we grew it. Um, was to make sure that the consistency from the first one to the last one was the same, uh, and 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 there was there was an equal equal level of of expectation from the guests. So we had to give the the delivery the same way, and you know we did that. We probably could have grown Malmaison and Hotel de Man quicker, but I was determined that the hardest thing we had was growing people. Uh, they just don't grow on trees, and we had to take our time with that. And I think, you know, I I. I I looked after the. I was the custodian of the brand for Robin. He created it. I took it on to the next level, and, and Ken similarly. And I would hope that both of them would say, under my watch, Robert did look after the brands. Uh, it's when I think there's a there's an infancy in a brand, there's a stabilization of a brand, and there's a growth of a brand. And we did all that pretty well. Um, sadly, neither of the two have grown that quickly. Virgin's a different ballgame. The brand is Richard, the, uh, Richard and his family. Yeah. Um, and you know that 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 there's a DNA within Virgin that's absolutely phenomenal. Whether it's money, whether it's airlines, whether it's now cruises, which are phenomenal and really good fun. And there's a funny, there's a fun streak that runs through Virgin, but it's all on. It's all on how Richards led his life, and his he's been bold and brave and and brilliant. Uh, and he's probably the greatest of them all in hospitality and and, and leisure. Yeah, and, and did you have much to do with Richard personally when you were a CEO of Virgin Active? Well, I met him on my first day. Uh, he welcomed me to the business, and I would meet him at events we had. He was very, very proud of the South African business, and we were in South Africa a lot, so we would see him down there. And he, he was, uh, he was always, always remembered your name, and he was, he was, he was very accessible. And then we had the Virgin Star Awards every year, of which you know people people would meet him, and they would fall apart because they were just in awe of him. Uh, but actually, he's a very, very down to earth guy, and 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 great with people, really. And the whole family are Sam and Holly are similar, and and that that cascades through from his family into his senior people. Uh, I mean, Patrick McCall, uh, who who I who I was very close to in, in Belgium, was just exactly the same. And he, you know, he gave positive strokes to me as a CEO, but he also went into the clubs and gave positive strokes. So it's, you know, it it it's got a virus up and down through the company, and it did. Yes. Richard was brilliant at it. It's that cascade, isn't it? Like you say, that consistency that you just talked yeah. about. So that consistency of ethos and values and how you show up and on all of that, um, yeah. which is which is fantastic. So so Robert, when you just going back to when you made that first jump up to CEO, 
Um, and of course, you were going back to a, an organization that was already familiar to you. But nonetheless, it is very different when you are running the shop, right? And you've got full yeah. P&L accountability. Everyone's looking to you, um, you know, as the leaders have all the answers. And as we know, we don't all have the answers at all. We surround ourselves with great people that do have the answers. Um, but, you know, as an adjustment for you, anyone that might be listening to this, that's about to kind of make that jump themselves from being possibly a functional, you know, director or executive to more into that general management of, of first MD, first CEO position, what was the hardest thing for you and what advice would you give for anyone making making that move in their career at this point? Well, the hardest thing was the business had gone through uh, the mainstream mangle, having us, we, we when we sold it, it went to a REIT in America and then was passed on to Radisson SES. And they really squeezed a lot of the juice out of, them, uh, out of the business. A lot of the people went with that. So it was re-establishing the faith that the people left had in the brand. And that was, I think... The lucky thing for me is I spent four years in the brand with the founder. So they said, well, this guy knows his stuff. He's back. He's, But also, if I'm honest, I was pretty, it's my way or the highway. Uh, and, I, and, I, and that's not what I'm saying someone who's going in to take the first role should be. I was in a different position because I understood that business and knew it very, very well. Mm. But I think you've got to have the, the courage of your conviction and go with your gut. Um, you're, you've earned the right to be in the role. Um you're going to make mistakes along the way. Probably best to surround yourself with a bloody good mentor um, that can keep you right and just run things past them, uh, which I did uh, and I had. Um, but I think, you know, trust your own judgment and and um, and 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 you know, you've got a honeymoon period, so you can make mistakes in the first hundred days, two hundred days, or whatever it is. And and but if the first couple go off well, which I was lucky enough that they did. Uh, and that was all around the one we were doing. We were building a new one in Belfast. It was first time off the mainland, but and I made some decisions, quite bold decisions, of what that should look like, and it worked. Um, and I think uh, you know, had it not worked, there'd have been well, hmm, you know, there'd have been a bit of concern. But they did work, and I think you've just got to give, you've got to be bold and make you you've earned the position. Go and make the first decision, and you know, make sure it's not a complete com complete catastrophe. But uh, you know, if it takes off, it takes off, and. Um, I would always encourage people to, I've earned the right to be here. I'll have a go at this and, and, and just trust me, it'll work. And then you've got to have the power of conviction to make sure you to carry it through. Yeah, fantastic. So, you know, anyone listening to this is probably, obviously you're go, you've had a challenging time recently. We might, we'll probably loop back into that, Robert, if that's okay, just in terms of some some kind of, you know, pieces of advice to people from a health perspective as well. But before before we, we kind of do that, you know, if you were, you're thinking around your career and anyone listening to this is probably thinking, my gosh, this man is a machine, you know, he's worked for all these top brands, he's been incredible CEO in all these amazing sectors, you've been in and in particular hospitality but it can't all have been rosy in the garden and I'm sure you must have had times that were difficult or that things didn't go so well so can we maybe touch on a couple of those areas because it is important I think that we keep it real as well and we, we balance yeah. the, the successes with the challenges so, and the things that don't go well as well totally I mean we have focused on two particular brands Virgin and, and, and Mal and HTV where I did have a lot of success but I mean I think my my Friday's journey was was tough. I mean, I, I, a we were trying to turn a business around. B we were hit COVID. Then we hit all the plethora of haulage problems, supply problems. Then the, the consumer crunch. But equally, we also floated the business. And um, I got it wrong in that 
I spent too much time uh, with the stock market element of what I was doing and not enough time on the on the on the business element as in you know the actual day-to-day run of the business and I actually didn't do I didn't do I didn't do justice to either to be honest um, and that frustrated me and 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 it probably made me not enjoy the job as much as I should because I actually love the brand and more importantly I love the people I mean Friday's people are hugely passionate um and we lost a lot of them during covid which was difficult as well but i think if i was to leave my life uh, run that 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 three years again i would leave the experts to deal with the city and just use me as a face and i would have got stuck back into the business because i'm an operator and i never rolled my sleeves up hard enough um so i would say that was that was something to learn from is is that you need, if you're going into an operational hospitality business, you've got to give your time to the operation. And, and I got a bit deflected from the stock market. And look, there was a need for me to be out there trying to sell the world to, to the investors. But I just, I, I, did, I didn't quite grasp the, the equilibrium that I should have done. Um, and I, I guess at the end, I mean, I ran out of time at the end, but I was, I was, I, that was the point I was getting on well. And, um, mm. and I, didn't, I didn't know I was getting on well, but I was getting more and more tired and exasperated. So, um, that was a difficult, and it was fair for me to resign. I think that was the right thing to do. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's important, isn't it, that we look back and we reflect on, on some of the things, because it's not about sort of living in the past, but it's around taking those lessons and, and sort of taking them into the next role or the next yeah. opportunity and, and sort of being self-aware in, in that sense. Yeah. And, I mean, when you are having to juggle different stakeholders in business, and, and we all have to do that, as you've just described there, Um what's what how do you prioritize you know in that instance you said you didn't quite get it right you know you you were over over indexing on the on the the city let's say yeah um but but how how do you prioritize to know when you need to be in the business when you need to be dealing with different stakeholders or dealing with customers um as well because there's a time that that's you know yeah. really important yeah. so how do, how do you prioritize those those different um different focus areas do you think yeah I mean, I think I think Horsmore was a unique situation. This is the first time I'd been in the PLC world. Um, whereas in the past, I was I was eighty percent focused on the business and the running of the business, and I, I and particularly in hotel divan and Burton, I was very much the face of the business, and the board, the chairman, and I would meet in the evenings or in for breakfast, and then we'd have the board meetings, and that was sort of an eighty twenty split, and I think. If you run an operational business, your focus is going to be in the operation. And that, that's that's 80 to 90% of your time. When you're growing a business like Mal and HDV, you know, you're you're in it really deep into the operational side because you've got to make the last one as good as the next one as good as the last one in terms of an operation. Um, and I was very, very hands-on there. I mean, when we opened hotels, we were carrying the beds into the hotels and putting the putting putting the putting the plugs in the lamps. Um uh, but as it gets bigger, you, you obviously can't do that. But uh, I think that the my advice to anybody, if you're running an operational hospitality business, your focus has got to be eighty percent on the on the operation, twenty percent on the board. And actually, I think you've got to have that conversation with the board, and the board would almost always agree with you. But you, a good board, a good chairman, like I had in 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 particularly when Brayton owned us in Virgin, they would they would almost say to you you just tell us when you're free and we'll come and see you rather than the other way around and i think that was that i i enjoy that type of environment and that's it you've got to you've got to when you're entering into any sort of new business you've got to get all that cleared up before you start because you don't want to be embroiled in 
in dealing with that more than you're dealing with the operation. Yeah, you're right. You've got, yeah, I guess it's about setting your stall out in the right way early on so that you get an agreement in terms of how you're going to work, etc. You make a really by, valid by point. The way, sorry, Jeanette, by the way, when we mm. were with uh, Electric uh, uh, Capital when we, before we floated, that was exactly mm. how it was only when we fell into uh, the flotation. And, and, and that in itself was a big diversion. I mean, for six months, all you're doing is dealing with the city before you actually do the flotation and the lawyers and the accountants and the tax and everything. Uh, and, um, you know, that's not my that's not my 40, but I wanted to make it my 40 so I could learn it. And therefore, you just take your finger off the gas. And uh, saying all that, I think COVID was, you know, I, I, I arrived in that business two months before COVID started. And, and it was, it, and I had no management team because the management team all left for the previous CEO. So you had to rebuild the management team. I mean, I didn't meet half of them face to face until about six months in because we'd hired them. Mm. But, you know, so that's not an excuse, but I think whatever I do next, I'll be back to how I was in my old days and, and really concentrate on, on, on the shop floor. Yeah, no, fantastic. And actually, it's interesting because, you know, the time when I was at Saga, again, you know, Saga listed, you know, it floated, did an IPO and there was a big expectation from the city, you know, it had been positioned in a certain way coming out of PE and this, that and the other. And of course, then it wasn't the most successful IPO in the world. And then yeah. I joined post-IPO and we were in a position then of kind of almost having to re, 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 re give confidence back to the market that this was a great brand and it had, you know, the, the DNA and it was very relevant, et cetera. So we were almost playing catch-up before we started because that process just hadn't gone well it hadn't gone as it should have done and the expectation was set too high and then you know so it was it, it actually was very often quite a distraction um mm -hmm. i agree and, and and of course you, you have to declare everything you know you yeah. you can't you can't make those yeah. fast investment choices behind closed doors that you can in other businesses yeah. so yeah. it's a different beast isn't it completely um no i agree i agree and and robert you know in terms of um kind of you know your Keeping yourself in balance, you know, when you're doing these big jobs, they can be all consuming, you know, and and, and it's never nine to five. I mean, my background's mainly in the travel industries, you know, yours is in hospitality. They are very similar. It, you know, you love the industry, you're passionate. It's a lifestyle choice as well as never just a job. And that can be challenging, I think, um, sometimes in terms of trying to get some kind of family life and, and managing to keep that that kind of, um, not sacrificing too much on that side at the same time as being passionate about the role you're delivering. So for you personally, how did you manage that through those really busy roles that you had? Well, I mean, I've always had a view that whatever you do, hospital, I mean, born and brought up in, in a hotel, it's a way of life. I never saw much of my mum and dad. When I did, it was in a nice environment, having dinner with them in the restaurant or whatever. Uh, you know, I would I'd chambermaids or, or, or room attendants they're called now. They were they were they were sort of my nannies. So you 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 you've sort of been brought up with that. So you don't really think about family life the same way as normal people think about family life. I mean, I lived in a hotel bedroom until I was 18 years old. Um and you know, my I'm very fortunate. My wife, my wife from the hotel industry, she understands that. I'm also very for, fortunate that my son's at a boarding school, so he's only at home very seldom. So you work your life around that. But I've always been a great believer in, in working a, a damn good Monday to Friday, 60, 70 hours a week. And then you've got, you're a human being, so you've got to have something. And, and, and I always try and never give a golf on a Saturday just to get away from it all and see friends and stuff. 
but often you're you're pulled away and then you you've got a you're in a function that you need to attend in, in 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 a hotel that's opening or something is going on and if, if the guys are doing a new project you would go and support it at the weekend so but you bring the family along with you and it, it's just a way of life and because i was born and brought up in it i understand that and um I've obviously I've always over indexed on on hours of work, but it's actually I've never seen it as work. I've just seen it as a lot of it's been pleasure. You know, I, I've I've had a great I've had a great career in an industry that I love, and I, and I'm going to do a lot more of it. Um, but it is it's it's you've got to have an understanding family around you, and and the more actually it's been easy for me with family because how I described it, but actually more about friends because they'll say to you, can you, I oh, can't make that, sorry, sorry, can't make that one. No, I'm not around there. Mm. I mean, I've worked away from home. I mean, I live up in Northumberland between uh, Newcastle and Edinburgh on the coast. So I've always had to travel to London. So I've been away Monday to Friday anyway. But if you've got friends, you sort of lose contact with them. And if you've, you know, sometimes you come home on a Friday night and you don't want to go out because you're knackered. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, 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 it's that bit, but you my friends understand that. And actually, in the last five, six months, I've really found out how my friends are because a lot of them come to see me when I haven't been well. And um, that's just, that's, that's, it's just been a good time to reset. Oh, I mean, not the best way to do it, but it's been an interesting time to reset. Yeah. So let, let's, let's talk about that a little bit, Robert, because you said that, you know, towards, before you, you kind of finally decided to to resign from the role um, at, at Hostmore, at TG, TGI, et cetera you were starting to feel a bit unwell and sort of not probably realizing what was happening. What was the, what was the catalyst for you to go and get yourself checked out? Because anyone else that might be, you know, listening to this thinking, Oh, hang on a minute. Maybe I've got sort of symptoms that I should be aware of. I mean, we're not trying to play Dr. Google here, obviously, but just um, your experience, I think might, might help others. Yeah. Well, I just, listen, I was getting tired and I was getting, I didn't just didn't feel great. I didn't know what it was. Uh, and it wasn't until, unfortunately, it was Christmas Day that I had these massive pains uh, in my stomach. And then it was from there and I went and found out. And they actually misdiagnosed me to begin with. They thought I had something else, that I diverticulitis, and a diverticular had burst. Um, but uh, then I went back and forth to hospital uh, during January. And then eventually uh, I was I had to have an emergency surgery because my, 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 I had an obstruction in my bowel. Um, and um, that was bloody painful I mean it was emergency I was ripped open and everything was sorted out let's not go into the gory detail but then the, obstru- <laughs> the obstruction was caused by um by, by the tumor so um it would there was no real when you're working flat out and you're away from home a lot and you, you just have you just think you're tired you, you know and I was mm. I was I wasn't losing appetite but I was losing weight uh not a lot but I was losing weight not as much as I did lose um once I found out it was up but it, it was it not it, there was no I was no I, I, there wasn't something that said to me I need to go and see the doctor. It just came on very quickly and 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 overnight. So, um, but I think you know having if I look back the last six months, if if there's something if you feel there's something not quite, just go and see a doctor because actually a stitch in time saves nine. Uh, pardon the pun. And uh, you know, I, I don't know if I think I'm out of the woods. I don't know if I'm out of the woods. But if I am out of the woods, it's down to a fantastic surgeon and 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 a, a, a relatively quick diagnosis once I was ill um but it's um it's been a, it's been a scary time but as i said to you you know i've kept pretty brave through it all um and, and i'm i'm pleased with myself I'm, I'm proud of myself for doing that because you know it was pretty touch and go for a minute um mm-hmm. it, it's it's been it's been tough it's hard to it's hard to describe it uh when when, when and, and I, I you and i had a chat before this so i said you can easily bring it up but when you put me on the spot like 
you you think to yourself, well, I, I look back at the sequence of events, and I wasn't actually ill at all. Well, one of my colleagues at TGI said to me, "You did remember that night you didn't come out, you weren't feeling great," but that wasn't. I didn't think that was. That was just like a fluey type thing. But my advice is to anybody if you feel feel something's different, um, go and see a doctor. The NHS is a great place. So regardless, yeah. regardless what you hear, they are phenomenal people that have done a great job. Yeah, yeah, you're right, aren't you? And it is a bit of that self-awareness. And I think sometimes when we're running, 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 you know, everyone's got demands on us, et cetera, that sometimes our own self-care can be the, but goes by the wayside. And, and you might, it might be a subtle shift, but you're absolutely right. Just kind of check in, check in on yeah. yourself. And, and you'd much, ra- I, much rather go and be wrong than go and, and not go yeah. and then find yeah. things have progressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. You know, you typical man, you know, I'm, I'll be okay. I don't want to go and see a doctor. I'll be okay. Anyway, learn my lesson, uh, but uh, here to tell the tale. So it's, uh, uh, and I feel strong now, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just about uh, finished and I've got, the, I've got one small, small op to happen to uh, reverse the colostomy and hopefully I'll be, um, fighting for it again yeah absolutely no i'm sure that'll be the case and i look forward to seeing that what have you learned have you changed during this robert have you is, is anything is your is your view on life different having gone through this do you think yeah it, it, look no question um i think i value uh you you, you uh, there's, there's there's a lot of people say your money can't buy your health and that's very very true um and i and i probably have worked for the target all the time i i I sit here today and say I am I am going to be different, um, and I hope I will be different, and I hope I have a more balanced view on how I work and so on and so forth. But I've also got to remember I am a, I am I me or me, and I I know what I'm like. If it gets busy, I'll just get busy with it. So I've got to be careful. Um, um, and um, yeah, I think that's I, I think that's an honest answer. I, I mean I. I <laughs> I've read a lot of books. I'm, I'm not. I've never been a big reader, and I've read a lot of books um, about business, and I've read a lot of books about management styles and so on and so forth. And I don't think they're going to. I don't think I'm not necessarily going to change my management style. But I've learned a lot from some of these books about processing and how you process things in your head, and and not be frightened to ask. And I suppose that's that's that comes back to what happened to me medically. Um, but I am um, determined to come back, um, and I'm determined to come back as me. Um, but I think me is slightly going to be a slightly different me because I, I, I've, I've had a, pardon me for saying I've had a bloody big wake up call. So, mm, Yeah, yeah, it does make you reassess certain things, doesn't it, when that happens? Or if you lose someone in your life, you know, for whatever reason, it does make you sometimes stop and think and go, oh, right, OK. I need to make sure I'm focusing on the right things, the important yeah. things. And um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think and, it's and important. I think it's important that whatever, you know, you've got to enjoy what you do. I mean, latterly, I was not enjoying what I was doing. And and I think if you're not enjoying it, you know, wave the red flag, wave the white flag and say, OK, I surrender. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll do something different. Uh, and I probably have been guilty of not doing that in the past. And um, I certainly would do that in the future. Yeah, life's too short, isn't it? It really yeah. is. To, no, Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. And I think you're right. If you can, if you can merge your passion with your profession, you know, and you clearly love, you've loved the roles. You can see, you know, you kind of come alive when you're talking about this stuff. And uh, I think that is the sweet spot. There's so many people, I think, Robert, that you know hate their jobs. They go to work every day. They wake up on a, you know, that Sunday night feeling, night before school kind of feeling. Oh God, you know, Monday morning tomorrow. And I just, it's such a shame. It's such a yeah. shame because it, you know. It, 
shouldn't be like that. And I've I've never felt like that. I felt oh it's got it, we've got another tough week ahead, but I've never said oh I don't want to get up tomorrow and go to work. I mean it's but those who do just stop and you find something different. And let me tell you, there's a space for everyone in something in 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 in, in many different industries and and changing industry. And I wouldn't say changing from hotels to Virgin was a massive change, but I did change industry and. I I think that particularly is, you know, that and then going to Fridays, so it's casual dining, health and fitness, and then mainly hotels, just adds to the armory. Uh, so don't be frightened to make that bold decision to go and do something slightly different. Um, I know if I get a, if I move back into hotels is where I want to go, I will take a different perspective of health and fitness and probably the food and beverage side, even though Mal and HDV were massive food and beverage businesses, learned a lot from Fridays how to take that back in and commercially, but equally how to run health and fitness too. I mean, health and fitness is a different world now. It's not about pun- pu- pu- uh, treadmills and, and, and punching iron. It's about classes and it's about wellness more than, and, and this world we're living in, you can take diet and wellness together into hotels. Well, that's, that's, that's a powerful tool. And I think, I think a lot of hotels miss that. And, um, and uh, that's what I think I would like to really make a difference when I come back in. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. And for someone that's, um, I, you know, I love the gym and I, I try and keep in shape and stuff. But you're right, it's very often when you're traveling, particularly when you're traveling on business, you know, there's nothing worse than when the hotel gym is down in the basement and it's kind of shoved into shoved into a dark space because they know they have to have one just to just to say they've got one. But it's like yeah. a soulless place. And, you know, I always remember when I used to spend a lot of time in China and in Hong Kong and I used to love it. I used to stay, so very often I stay at the Four Seasons in Hong Kong and the gym there is like oh my god the views across the bay it's just like you want to work out you don't want to leave you know because it's such a fabulous environment and I think you're right you know this shift in the need for well-being health fitness but this kind of combination of why people are in hotels it's not as it's not as um binary you know it's not leisure and business very often it's a blend you know and it is this sort of combination isn't it that people are looking for and i think it's shifted massively yeah i mean you wouldn't you there are very few hotels you go into and walk you there's no hotels i know of. i'm doing a hotel project for someone else up and up in uh in uh, north of scotland at the moment and we're not putting a gym in we're putting a pilates and a yoga studio in because pilates mm. can make you as fit and as muscular if you want depends how you do it and yoga is great for the mind and it's that three circles of mind body and soul that it that if you the bit in the middle is where you want to be and uh, um that's the future of health and fitness and virgin did mm. a massive amount of, did a massive amount of research on that uh, both on data uh, around the world and, and that's the way they went and it's going to be successful yeah yeah fantastic what makes a great hotel Robert in your opinion we've touched on some of the elements but you know what for you what what's a standout hotel great service great service I remember being in a, 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 in a, in a actually we took a lot of journalists to the Fox and Anchor pub in London Charter, Charterhouse Square which we owned and I asked them what their definition of luxury was, because it was at a time when it was when the credit crunch happened, and we had my bosses were saying, "Well, we've got to take some costs out of the bedrooms and all this sort of stuff." And I said, "Well, let's before we do that, let's just get a view of what journalists see as luxury." And we're around the table, and there was a whole lot of journalists there, uh, but also Michael Burke, the newsreader, was there. He was part of the people that were invited, and he said, "For me, luxury is thoughtfulness, and that comes from people." And I think thoughtfulness is one of the most important things in a hotel. 
that 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 uh, and 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 the story went that we did this sort of wow campaign in, in Hotel Devan and this maid in this room attendant had been cleaning the room in, in, in Henley and seen at either side of the bed there was a 10th anniversary card to each husband and wife and she went down to the kitchen asked the chef for some tinfoil made a tinfoil rose uh, and because tin is 10th anniversary tinfoil rose put it on the bed and put a little note saying happy anniversary from Anika the, 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 and I mean that's that costs nothing. Yeah, that's, yeah. That, that is magic. That's four seasons. That's what four seasons does for a, a, a living, and that's just magic. And I think that's the most important thing. And too many hotels yeah. today hide behind the veneer of great design and think, "Oh, I've got these really snazzy bars, and I've got these really snazzy bedrooms, and it's all designed like from some well-known from Philip Stark or whatever." But actually, it's about service. It's about great people. And you know, you can see in a hotel when you walk in. Ken always used to say, "You can walk into a hotel and you can see in the receptionist's eyes if this is a happy hotel." because uh, you, you just know and the other thing I think is vitally important and it's sadly one of the biggest problems our industry has is invisible management and I want to see visible managers and I think that makes a big difference if the general manager or his duty managers in the lobby in the evening to welcome you that's a big tick in the box for me mm, yeah absolutely absolutely no that, and that's, then he, that's and great then he, yeah and then she doesn't or he doesn't disappear you actually see them in the restaurant later on and then you see them in the bar later on I mean that's proper how hotel should be run. Old yeah. fashioned, that's how it should be run. Well, I think people, you know, people, people are people, aren't they? You want a human connection, you know, yeah. in whichever interaction that is. And like you say, that thoughtfulness, that attention to detail, that doesn't actually cost money very often. It's just a consideration for the other human to human contact. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and what, what makes a great hotelier? Um, I think that's that's a, that's all around how that person divides divides their time, and I think there's a time for the office and there's a time for the shop floor, um, and I think again it comes that eighty percent should be on the shop floor. I mean, as a as a hotelier, there's not an, a massive amount of admin to be done, uh, there's not a massive amount of office work. I think a great hotelier is someone who's seen and 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 welcoming and is great with his team, is knows all his team by by first name terms, but also as a pillar of the community. Whether you're in a big city or you're in a small town or in the village, you are you're a big player in the community, and I think that you you, you play an integral part to that community. Um, but more importantly, your visibility, both to your guests and to your staff, and to know them all. I mean, I always, I mean, I, they used to annoy me. They, I used to annoy them because I would arrive at the hotel and they would say, "Nice, Steve, do you want to take me up to your room?" I said, "No, I'm going to the kitchen to see the chef." You know, and I'd go into his fridges and freezers just because that's what I was taught to do, and and you you go and see what's What's, what's on tonight and and the, the kitchen is the, the the pulse of a hotel so go there and then the next morning you, you don't go down for breakfast first you go and see the housekeeper who's getting ready for the day and you go and have a chat with the maids and you're sitting there in the bed and talk to them about how difficult their job it is and how much you appreciate it and that's that was that's what makes and and a lot of the big names and hotels in london they all do that they all do that yeah. they're, they're, they're figureheads in the town they're figureheads in the hotel um and that's the most important thing for me Mm, mm. Yeah, that's a great perspective, actually. I mean, I, as you know, I've just been over in um, Australia uh, with with a core actually working with the team over there. And uh, Richard Holt, who is the he's the GM of the Novotel in Sydney Harbour, and great guy, absolutely fantastic. But he does exactly what you're saying. You know, he he actually bases himself. He has his office. Is just in the reception in the lobby. He's sitting on one of the high high chairs. You know, sort of. 
with his laptop, talking to guests, in, you know, and seeing what's going on, living and breathing it. He's in the yeah. kitchen. And yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good perspective and one that I don't think I had appreciated uh, before I kind of got into, into the hotel side of things um, as much as, as much as you've just said, but yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And, and Robert, in terms of what's next for you, obviously you've got to get through the next few months and what have you. Do you have a view in terms of what next in terms of industry sector? Is it likely to be back in hotels or are you open-minded at the moment? No, I, I, my, my heart is set on returning to the hotel business and to be a hotelier. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss it. Uh, I've got my own little hotel up in Northumberland here, but my wife runs that very successfully. It's a great wee place. Um, so I've still got my finger on the pie, but I want to get back into the hotel game. I want to get back into giving people a great time in a hotel environment and um, and and growing a business, whether it means adding more hotels, uh, but equally growing talent, because uh, that's the biggest kick. I mean, I look back to Malmö's on Hotel Divine, I look at a lot of the guys that work for us, Lizzie Kelp, who's now head of Virgin Hotels, Grant McKenzie's running all Chris Stewart's business up there, but these are guys who were just, they were they were, they were were graduates with us, and, and they've gone on to do, we gave them a great chance, and they grabbed it, and well done them. And that's the bit that gives me the biggest kick. Yeah, that's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. So watch this space, hey, Robert. You're coming. You're coming back into the industry. We can't wait to see where you land. So uh, we should do a follow-up podcast when you when you uh, yeah, land in your new role. I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to. It's 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 a lot of people would say, "Oh, you haven't been in the industry for a while." I've always been in the industry, and when you've been eighteen years in the industry, growing up in it, and watching my dad, who was a hotelier of, of note, you never forget it. And it's it's like it's like riding a bike for me. And um, I want to get back on the bike. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What was, is your dad? Is your dad still with us, Robert? No, no, no. Dad died when I was uh, seventeen, a long time ago. Um, uh, he he killed himself with. He's always said he killed himself with it when he was not very well. He saw him, the hotel and she's killing me. But I would say it was cigarettes that killed him. But never mind. Right, right. What What do you think your dear old dad would would say? Would he thought would have made of what you've uh, achieved? What do you think he'd say? But, well, he'd be very proud. I think. Mum, mum's still around. Mum lives with us now, down beside us in Northumberland. She's eighty now, and dad would have been ninety seven. He'd still be alive. He's a bit older. But mum always says your dad would been so proud of you. I mean, he was against me getting into the hotel industry, um, because he he just felt it was a he 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 it given him quite a hard. He was he was. It's, he was a stroke sufferer and so on and so forth. And he thought it was a difficult a difficult game to get into. But the hotel industry I ran and he ran was two different things. Um, yeah. And, uh, no, he'd be really proud of me. Um, yeah. Still miss Fantastic. him. Fantastic. Uh, well, yeah, of course, of course, that is it, isn't it? You know, it's it's, it's still there, you know, and uh, you probably, I, I mean, like my dad passed away 11 years ago and it's not a day goes by that I don't sort of think, oh, what would dad have said about that or, or the song on the radio or something, you know, he's sort of just still there. And yeah, I agree with you. Those uh, those memories are, are strong, aren't they? And that perspective, yeah. it's kind of a guiding light, really. But uh, that's wonderful. And, you know, with all the, the great career you've had, Robert, I'm sure you've had some wonderful advice over the years. Any kind of standout advice that's really made an impact at a particular point of time or has just lasted with you that you've sort of, you know, lived by for for all these years? Yeah, I was, it's an interesting one. I, when I was, so I go back to the Balmoral Hotel again in Edinburgh back in 1989 to 92. I was, I, I, I had arrived Holiday Inn boy and I was working with all these five-star guys. So the housekeeper came from Carlton and Joe Berg. Andrew Musa, the rooms division manager, came to the Peninsula in Hong Kong. My boss, Guillaume Briats, came from uh, from uh, the um, Hong Kong Piro restaurant at, at the Mandarin. 
And I was so desperate to get up the ladder. And, and Michael Williams, who was the, the group director, he'd been with Mandarin for 20 years. He used to say to me, Mr. Cook, and it was never Robert, it was Mr. Cook, you are an amazing guy. You've got a lot of passion. He says, but I'll give you one piece of advice. Before you speak, put your, rub your tongue around your mouth seven times. Because I was just so jumping into things all the time, just because I wanted to get up the ladder. So that was good advice, and that slowed me down a little bit. Um, and I think, you know, I've been I've been lucky with with particularly Ken McCulloch, uh, Stephen Carter I've mentioned before, and these guys who just said follow me, watch what I do. I mean Ken would walk into a room and he would you'd think it's a horrible room and he would just change the music and the lighting. All of a sudden it's a great room. Uh, it's just little things as you go along. And Richard was always about you know you know you you know you've got the style, you've got the passion, just just keep keep driving the people forward because we need to grow this business. And he was always behind me whatever I wanted to do. Um, but I think you've got to build a relationship with the boss and um, you know, make the boss your best friend. And um, I did that. I was, I'm was. i always very respectful. I was, I'm hugely respectful of Ken and Richard to this day and Stephen. And uh, we still speak. Um, certainly, um, to, as I say, Stephen's just been down with a couple of days. It's important that you never forget where you came from and um, always treat people like you'd like to be treated yourself um, and don't expect people to do things you can't do. So, you know, we've, 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 we've sort of stuck with that mantra all the way through. Mm, yeah, that, that's that's very good advice. And how do you stay humble, Robert, when you're running these big big organisations? I think come back to background again. You know, I, I remember where it all started. I mean, I, I I started, the first job I ever had was polishing the floor of the ballroom in the Palace Hotel in Peterhead, which is my dad's place. I was allowed to play football on a Friday night, as long as I had it polished for the Saturday morning for the wedding. Um, and it, it's it's just don't forget where you came from. Um you know, I, I, I'm not, I went to a state school, I did an HND in hotel management, and I just put my head down and worked hard. I mean, working hard is a massive attribute you need in this industry. Um, but and just never forget where you came from. And, and, and always, always thank people for what they've done for you. You know, I'll go into a restaurant, a bar, a hotel or whatever, and always say thanks for what you're doing for us. It's really appreciated because I mean it. And I know what they've done. So I think just never forget where you came from. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that that's fantastic, and you can see that actually very much. You sort of live live and breathe those values. You can see that in you very clearly. And you know, have you ever have you ever had any advice that you took that didn't work out so well? Yeah, I mean, I made a. I think one of my I made a career mistake when I left Malmaison. I was offered a job to go and run the Doyle collection for the Gallagher family, lovely Irish family, and they've got the nice hotels in London, and and they had three hotels. They had the Westbury in Dublin. They had the DuPont Circle in, in in Washington and and it was going to be four hotels in America, five in the UK, two in Ireland and it was a lovely little business and um, I got coaxed not to go there and to go to De Vere. And, and I've no regrets going to De Vere, but I think my, my I would still be in hotels and never left hotels if I'd gone to Dunn Collection and I should have listened to, I shouldn't, uh, Andrew Koppel, God bless him, he, he, he convinced me to go to Davia and I should have actually just said, no, I'm going to go to Doyle and not let the Gallagher's down because they've accepted the job. And that was a mistake. That was definitely a mistake. Mm, yeah, interesting, isn't it, to reflect on on these choices, these crossroads that we have in our lives, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, interesting perspective. And and Robert, you know, the podcast called Brave, Bold, Brilliant. And, um, you know, obviously we've touched on all of those elements, I think, in different yeah. ways through the conversation. But when you hear that that phrase or those words, um, what does it mean to you? Well, the first two 
sort of is a big reflection on me. I mean, I, I am bold uh, and I have been brave and I've been brave in business. In the last six months, I've been very brave with, with something else going on. Um, and I, I think I sort of, there, I would say there are two words that describe me very, very well. I would never say I've been brilliant, but I've had some brilliant experiences and that, mainly because I've worked with brilliant people. And I think when I, when you and I have met and we did that, um, uh, um, we did that seminar way back in way back in October last year, you know, and you you introduced Babe, Babe, Brave, Bold, and Brilliant. I just I just think a lot of that's what I am, um, the bold the bold and brave bit. And I've worked for bold and brave brands. Virgin's a bold and brave brand, and I think I need to do bold and brave things and surround myself with brilliant people. Yeah, fantastic. Well, listen, we can't wait to see what's next, Robert. And um, honestly, good luck with the next few months. I'm sure it's all going to go amazingly well. And then we're going to be back with great interest seeing where you where you land next. And I can't wait to uh, catch up with you over a beer or a cup of tea or whatever, or a glass yeah. of wine. Oh, lovely. I'm looking. I, I haven't had a drink since Christmas Day, so I'm very much looking forward to a glass of wine. I miss my red wine very much. So, um, yeah, well, let, let's do that. But I've really enjoyed this afternoon. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to come and talk to you. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been my pleasure. Thanks, Robert. All the best. I really hope you've enjoyed Brave, Bold, Brilliant. Don't forget to subscribe and share with all your friends. And if you've enjoyed listening, I'd love it if you'd leave me a five-star review.